Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to T. Watts and TR on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined by site publisher Tim Watts and Tim a lot to get into on the latest installment of the program. First of all, it's Halloween, Halloween morning as we record this. And we kind of talked before the show a little bit about the value in visiting our respective homes as far as trick-or-treaters, you know, is yeah. it worth it? Are they going to have a spread that is worth our time? Do they live in areas where they're easily accessible? Because as a kid, as you'll recall, it's all about you're trying to get volume too. Yeah. Uh, you like the quality, but it ultimately it, it comes down to quantity. Yeah. Me, I would never come to our street. It's the long street. It's a cul-de-sac. It's kind of dark. A bunch of old people like me. And also, you know, the wife has bought candy two weeks ago. So Ooh. I picked through it pretty good. I've been trick-or-treating for two weeks. Six so weeks there's like those, what are they called? Those dots that are just like things oh that take God. out your crowns? I would call it permanent. <laughs> it's also, ironically, dots are what they use to put in your uh, crown when you get a root canal. Oh, exactly. Just, no things. Yeah, they. I have felt my teeth coming out of my gums trying to separate from those bad boys. And neither one of them are flavored, you know? Uh, no, fillings are uh Dots yeah. and and also candy corn, which man to me just not worth it. Not worth the dental work uh, that it's going to bring with I it. I tell you what's good with candy corn: the mix. My wife has a mix of like nuts and fruit, not fruits, but nuts, tiny little pieces of chocolate, peanuts, and stuff. It tastes really good together. But it's candy corn is the uh, heroin equivalent of candy. It is just complete sugar. It is. And it's I, like complete sugar. That candy corn is what I didn't mind the, the parents back in the day. My parents sort of robbing me of as they rifled through my bag, you know. Uh, it was the, the Snickers and the Reese's peanut butter cups and some of those things. I don't know. If you had one, one candy as a kid that you sort of cherished the most that was off limits to absolutely anyone, what one was that? Anything sour. It would have been those little tiny sweet tarts that come with three. Um, mm -hmm. I am a sour. I don't really care as much for chocolate. That's kind of a chocolate doesn't go to candy. It falls into the dessert slot in Tim Watson's mind. So uh, anything sweet tart. Skittles were, you know, Skittles were close to a fight in the fence with my brothers. Um, the green one saved a lot of, lot of lives. <laughs> that that, that kind of offset the Skittles. But anything sweet tart uh, was, was definitely mine. You talk about dental damage now, laters. I'm that old. Yeah, they're like they lock you in. They I, that you didn't touch my now laters. Now my mom loves almond joys, so and, and I like almond joys, out. but she, that was that was non negotiable. She she claimed those were tax. She claimed those as a house tax when she took those. You I'll know. give you a now later. Any hard candy that you like, like Spree's, one of my favorite professional candy eat moves is to take it and put it on your dashboard. Huh. 
Like I buy, I'd go in, no lie, I'd go to games when I was, you know, out in the road. I'd buy either of those, stick them on my dashboard, let the sun gently warm them up. They're a lot softer. They're a lot easier. That is a pro so, move. That's a it pro is tip the, right now there. Now later, especially because, you know, you can get one that's hard as a rock. You got to, now or later will make you work at times it would and that was the tough thing about now laters when you were trying to hide them in school you know you'd try to eat them in class oh yes yeah, uh, they weren't them down yeah they're tough yeah, but i mean tim where else are you gonna get especially during lsu week three and a half minutes of halloween candy talk no nowhere way. else not professional hey. halloween right pro with adults with adults <laughs> it's gonna be hard to find <laughs> So I guess we'll get into Alabama LSU at this point, Tim. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, and I wrote a little bit about this and what Saban said and what we think it means yesterday, uh, this rivalry, because for me, it is a rivalry. And I guess you could say Auburn fits the mold to an extent too, because when you think about teams that have had some semblance of success against Alabama under Nick Saban, I think LSU has five wins over Saban at Alabama and Auburn does too. But when you think about this new SEC that's on the way and games that could be lost on an annual basis, yeah, I get it. Nostalgia, regional impact, Auburn and Tennessee for Alabama are always going to be at the top of that list. But as far as how it impacts things in the West and the SEC and on the national level, if if LSU goes away, is that bigger than Auburn or Tennessee going away? It would suck for me. I mean, you go all the way back to like Franchoni and Saban when Alabama went down there and 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 beat LSU. You remember that little two thousand two? Yeah, yeah, that little uh, odd occurrence at midfield. And that was before social media. <laughs> they had them worked up before social media. So you go all the way back. LSU winning in Tuscaloosa, the nine to six game, the rematch in the national championship game, last year's game. I mean, you're on the wrong side of a, an epic game, obviously, if you're a Bama fan. But that was a Friggin' crazy game if you're neutral or an LSU fan, a great game. Um, to me, Alabama and Auburn, Alabama and Tennessee is more like a regional matchup. You know what I mean? It's like a regional rivalry. It's like where I come from, it'd be Pelham and Thompson back in the day before Thompson turned into be better than Alabama. But um, LSU has, like you said, more national feel. There's a more national vibe. I mean, it's a complete clash with LSU having that New Orleans Baton Rouge vibe versus Alabama and the Alabama vibe. Now, when you look at Tennessee and Auburn, they're pretty similar to Alabama, right? But you think Baton Rouge, you think Mardi Gras, you know, you think beads, boobies, you think the whole nine yards. So there is a clash of even culture there when they play each other on top of the talent. Absolutely. The NFL draft, when you just look at NFL players from these two programs, uh, that speaks to itself as well. And also just where this game sits in the eyes of like networks you know cbs when they think about or have thought about really their season lineup uh for a long time now this is the game they've wanted as a prime time option they want this game at 6 45 central seven o'clock central uh that was the case before this you know 20 25 years ago it was more florida tennessee was that game yeah in the sec but for the last decade and a half or at least since nick saban has been at alabama well this is the matchup and with that i also want to add and ask from a recruiting perspective is lsu more relevant to alabama on the trail 
as far as the kind of guys that they've been able to go after or have gone after in the last 15 years or so than, say, Auburn and Tennessee? I think in the past it has been. I think Alabama LSU recruiting was at its pinnacle with Ed Orgeron's era, the short era. But they definitely were battling each other. Remember the Sage Ryan uh, saga? That was just one. You had guys that ended up coming to LSU, transferring to Alabama. Elias Ricks. You had a lot of, like, crossover. Basically, O's last year is when Alabama ended up getting four of the kid top kids in their state. So, not so much this year. We haven't seen as much crossover. And, again, I think part of that in this year goes to the fact it's not a great class. A lot of people are just, you know, trying to to fill a class compared to the other. Next year, Alabama's going to be loaded. LSU's going to be strong. Uh, so, I would think they would cross over a little bit. But competing against each other, not as much as we're probably used to. Uh, this year, maybe last year, but overall, a top five, top 10 possible national recruiting team. I think LSU falls in that category. Yeah, I think with Hugh Freeze now at Auburn and Josh Heupel having success at Tennessee, we'll see in all likelihood more of Alabama crossing over with those teams on the recruiting trail. Auburn is going to happen just because of the state sure. uh, ramifications. But as far as the national landscape, LSU's been kind of like Alabama in that regard in terms of where it's been able to go out and attract players. Uh, Tim, let's talk about the game coming up Saturday night, and let's get your area of this matchup that maybe from the Alabama perspective uh, you're not as confident about going into it, and then we'll get into an area where you do feel pretty confident Alabama will do well. I guess the biggest concerns, the most obvious, Jaden Daniels. And and to me, it's more about his escapability. I think if you're able to keep him in the pocket, which is really hard to do. I mean, this guy's, you know, obviously he's rushed over 500 yards and got, you know, closing in on 3,000 yards passing. If you can keep him in that pocket, I think you increase your chances of controlling that offense because it's definitely a really good offense. The wide receivers are good, running backs are good, and Daniels is good. So that's the biggest area of concern is trying to contain him. You're not going to stop him but trying to contain him and keep him from, you know, if you get a sack, bring him down. You know, if you keep him in that pocket, third and distance, don't let him beat you deep. Try to keep it in front of you. I feel more confident, obviously, with Alabama's passing game. And I think the running game's improving, but I think the passing game with LSU missing so many guys. I mean, did you see the list yeah. of players out for LSU secondary? And that that was already a, a, a team struggling against the pass. Now, LSU also is odd because it can give up 300 yards passing pretty easily, but it also gave up, you know, almost 200 yards rushing and and 300 yards to Ole Miss. So I feel very confident with Alabama's offense in this game. Yeah, it's a situation where, again, feels like there's been some talk about LSU improving on the defensive side of the ball. Well, you got to consider the opposition that oh, that's yeah. come against. Auburn is around 100th in the nation in total offense. Army is 111 out of 130 offensively. Yeah, I mean, games, you go back to yeah, you go back to Ole Miss and Missouri and look at those numbers. That, yeah, they, that, that's problematic. They almost put up 100 points on them in those two previous games and Arkansas scored in the 30s if I remember right uh in their loss to LSU. So yeah, they've had two games obviously improve, but again, you're right, the competition was better. They're also really good defensively against Grambling. So, um, but other teams, Florida State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Missouri, had success moving the ball, and I think Alabama will as well. Yeah, I, I wonder that there's this sort of perspective too, Tim. 
is it possible that Alabama could score too quickly? In other words, don't control the tempo. Um, even if you score, you're putting LSU's offense back out there. I mean, for me, if they're giving up layups, you got to take layups. I score uh, every time. I exactly. Score if I if score, you score yeah. 50 and they score 51, you know, Against this Alabama defense, yeah, uh, you you can kind of you tip will. your hat if they're yeah. able to if they're able to outscore you. Got to tip your hat to LSU's offense because Bama has a good defense. But anytime you score, I'd score. I mean, I'm that high school coach. The other team's parents are waiting on me in the parking lot. I'm just <laughs> starters in, starters in. So <laughs> yeah, but I do think they do want to establish the run, which will shorten the game. I think LSU's playing a similar ball game, right? They want to shorten the game to some degree make all their possessions count. I think that's the biggest thing for both teams. Every possession needs to count. You want to come out and have a three and out in 38 seconds, you know, that's not going to do anybody any good uh, on your sideline. So a uh, very interesting matchup. And, it, you know, it, it kind of peaks similar to last year possibly. But I will say Alabama's defense is better than it was last year. Alabama's offense isn't necessarily better, but it has potential to be as good as last year's. Now, when you say that about Alabama's defense, are you talking about in terms of just all-around personnel quality? Are you talking about cohesiveness of the defense as compared to a year ago, or is it maybe a little bit of both? Yeah, I think it's both. I mean, you look at these guys and you see how they handle stuff. Again, I've said you don't see their head down. You see him. You saw that defense. I think the defense. If you want to see what the defense is made of, I think you go back to that South Florida game. You want to see everybody. You know the defense was playing as hard as they could. Dallas Turner definitely was a leader, pushing people uh, to do better. They had to have be good in that game, oddly enough. So I think that's the character you're seeing with this defense. Um, I think Kevin Steele brought a calming influence, being a you know the. The, the, the grandfather or the uncle, whatever you that players see him as. I uh, also think more, Nick Saban's more involved over there. You saw the Terry and Arnold speech, Coach Saban yelling at him, which was the best speech in the world. One I've told my kids several times, don't worry about how I say it. I'm old and grumpy and I'm not sure I like y'all. And <laughs> so I'm going to yell, even if it's Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday. So just listen to the message. But you saw like the team on the field and, and, and how they rally around each other. And I do think they're more talented. I mean, Terry and Arnold's a better football player. Justin's back on the defensive line. Tress Marshall's thrown in there. Can't tell me Jihad Campbell's not better. So, uh, plus the transfer portals. I think it's a better team, and I think they have a better flow together. I agree. I, I think as much as anything in the game last year in Baton Rouge, just bus that Nick Saban alluded to on Monday in his news yes. conference, just – Missed tackles, missed assignments, whether it was accountability for Daniels on designed runs or when he broke the pocket. Uh, Alabama broke, busted some things in pass rush yeah. and against the zone read that they paid heavily for. And, you know, I guess that's that's the concern this week, too, is that you can do everything right uh, from a from an execution perspective. But a guy like Jaden Daniels can still make you wrong yeah. right you don't want to help him in any way if you're the defense like you said you don't want to miss a tackle you don't want to blow your coverage you want to wrap him up and bring him down he's a skinny guy but he is strong he's not an easy tackle i mean he's not a big thick kid but he he's he's uh he's wiry he move on he's got some strength to him because he gets out of a lot of tackles so you need to be grabbing those knees you need to grab him low wrap him up it's going to be very much fundamentals 
uh, bringing him down. And uh, I think Alabama's better fundamentally than they were last year, too. So I think both of these things can go hand in hand with what you're looking at. Yeah, Daniels isn't an easy guy to get a great hit on, but I've seen him take some big oh, shots. Wow. The one against Ole Miss? Miss, and he lost Holy. the football, which was huge. That was, that was a felon. I mean, but it seems like guy, he, keeps you know, go- he keeps going. And he got right back up in that game. He yeah. took a hit that's literally I've seen in movies. It's like varsity blues. I'm like, that never happens. He literally took the movie hit and jumped right back up. So um, kind of similar to when Ruben, was it Ruben that hit Deshaun Watson and sent him spinning? Yes. And he got back up in the national championship yes. game. That's, when, oh, that's like a horror Fournette. Didn't Ruben yeah. hit Fournette on the kickoff down oh, in Baton Rouge in 2014? Matt, Matt, Matt yeah. hit somebody on the kickoff against LSU too, didn't he? Mac Wilson? Wait, yes. Or yeah. it was LSU or AM. It was yeah, one of the two. One of them, Mac, yeah. yeah, Mac and yeah, Ruben have uh have decleated a couple. But yeah, he's a tough quarterback. Um, he's a seasoned veteran, obviously. He's been around for a while and he's been through some tough games. He has. Deontay Lawson, I think, is huge this week. And you talk about a guy who's got a two-way conflict. Because you know he's going to be involved with that run game. And it's not just Jaden Daniels because Logan Diggs has come in, come in from Notre Dame and has established himself as a tough physical inside runner. That was part of the game last year that Alabama struggled with too. Um, LSU was able to win the rushing battle ultimately, not just in, in large part because of Daniels. But where I think having Deontay this time around, he didn't play in this game a year ago. Yeah, so. that's big. Yeah, he can he can play sideline to sideline. He's a good tackler. He's smart and he can also play in coverage. So if you want to drop him and try to take away some of these crossing routes that Daniels likes to to hook up uh, to neighbors and Thomas and those guys, he can do that as well. Yeah, I mean, again, there's another one. You got Justin and Lawson who didn't play in this game last year that's coming in. Um, so, you know, you got Caleb Downs, a freshman that's obviously, you know, up for player of the year, freshman of the year. So defensively, personnel is better. You feel comfortable. They're going to bend. This team definitely with defense, they're going to bend. They've bent several games. It's whether or not they break. And last year's broke. And that was the big difference in that game. And you look at LSU and you think how happy they were to have that game at home last year. And I think the Alabama's pretty happy to have that here. But that said, you know, I think we talk more about LSU than Alabama. I think when you look at the LSU board, and of course, it's just a matter of perspective, they're worried about the offense as well. I mean, they got nobody on the back end. They've had trouble stopping the running game. Alabama's finally establishing a run, I feel like, a little bit more consistently. Um, So there's a lot of opportunities for Alabama on offense. I mean, again, Milrose thrown deep balls better, as you know, probably as well as anybody in the country as far as touchdown bombs. He's going to have those opportunities in this game. But I do think you want to, you know, again, we discussed, I do think you want a four-minute drive versus a two-play drive. I think Nick Saban does. Although Coach Tim and Coach Travis, we want the two-play drive. <laughs> Give me an eight-yard hitch and then that drop first, the bomb. That first possession of the second half against Tennessee, those are those are good drives too. Yeah. Run, yeah. bomb, touchdown. Yeah. That's, all we like want. The, That's all we ask, Coach Reese, two plays. Give it to yeah, us. Yeah, you know, I think you touched on a couple of things too. Red zone defense and make LSU beat you from the short field. They're going to hit some explosive plays. Don't let those go for touchdowns somehow, some way, even on situations that don't involve negative play opportunities, uh, get LSU guys on the ground, make them play the short field to earn it 
uh, from inside your 20. I think that's going to be the goal, obviously, for LSU. You said it with LSU defensively, though, and it's not just the back end. You know, a lot of times you can survive if you're fortified and you're good in your front seven and you got some issues on the back end. But when you start losing guys like Makai Wingo, like LSU has now up front, uh, Harold Perkins, Mason Smith, there's still star power on that defense. Smith's coming back from the knee injury a year ago, so he's still a little bit of a work in progress. Um, that's when things become especially problematic for a defense. But uh, we talk about so many aspects of this game, Tim, and um, you know, I know I'm more of a kicking game guy than you are. Uh, but that's another facet that could help Alabama with James Burnup, Will Reichard. Although, again, I think you want to see Will Reichard kicking more extra points and field goals. Yeah, I agree. I think with special teams, it's going to come down to Kool-Aid, right? How we're, you know, the kickoffs, kickoffs are almost a wash in this day and age, right? I think Al, I think Nick Saban will get bored and have Will Reichard kick one short just to see the uh, special teams coverage and get those guys some action. But I think it's going to come down to punt returns. I mean, it's, Again, I agree with every fan who's discussed this. It's not just the you're not catching the ball, but what happens after you don't catch the ball? That's the the extra yardage. You don't have to catch. I looked it up last year. He's averaging what 14, 15 yards a, a punt. He had a good first game this year. Just since then, he hasn't really caught the ball. Just catch it, field it, you know. And I have faith that a couple of weeks that maybe mentally uh they've talked to Kool-Aid and worked on that. Because the guy's a talented punt returner, right? I mean, the guy's had, you know, he's a, he's a physical guy and all that stuff um, to catch the ball, put it in place and, you know, you know, at least, at least not use it, give up that extra yardage. Yeah. That's an area where it's already hard enough to play defense against an offense like LSU. What you really don't want to do is turn the ball over and especially turn it over on your end where LSU doesn't have to work as hard again to earn it in this game. So Tim, when we look at it from a total points needed to win, what would you put this at for Alabama in terms of a score? I'm not asking for your exact score because we'll have that at BamaOnline.com, uh, courtesy of Clint Lamb on Thursday. Uh, I think some people think with this LSU offense, with the designation already of it being an all-timer, uh, Alabama going to need to score 34, 35 plus in your opinion to get home? I think Alabama can score 38 to 41 in this game. Um, whether they need to or not, I don't know. You know, every time we predict something, it usually ends up the opposite. <laughs> I mean, this could very well be a nine to six game. No, I'm just kidding. It will not. It will not be. A, it'll be nine to six game and the uh, third possession. The um, I think Alabama probably needs to keep LSU in that 24 to 28 range. It's going to be hard, obviously. Um with, with a team that talented, um, I do think 38 points Alabama can score, and I do think that definitely wins the game. But, I mean, I, I'm hesitant to make a strong prediction right now, but I do think Alabama's offense is going to be able to outscore LSU's. And yeah, if they I, don't, and you know what? If they don't, I'm going to tip my hat to LSU because yeah. if they outscore them, they just some days are just the better team. But I do think Alabama wins this football game. Yeah, if it ends up being another 46-41 kind of game from 2019, you just sort of, yeah, Joe yeah. Burrow and that group, that was legitimately an offense for I'll tell you time. this, the good games that Alabama and LSU play are as good as any in the history of football. A lot of them are just terrible games. You know, like the year Alabama went down there and there was 11 people in the stands wearing LSU gear. That's still was, absurd when you think about it, right? It looked our, like the stadium our, wasn't open. 
me and our two daughters were uh, eight, nine, and ten of those eleven. By the way, that was yeah. that was absolutely surreal, Tim. In like, every form, because yeah, I mean, you literally could park right next to the stadium, just like it was a high school game. You just you pulled up next walked, to the track stadium and probably, walked right in. You probably could have just walked right on the field. We had three Where rows ourselves on about the thirty-five yard line, twenty rows up. I've just never in my life expected to see that in an yeah. Alabama. LSU game. I know the L- my LSU friends are every bit still shocked like it didn't happen almost. It was absurd. Uh, but the Alabama LSU games tend to be classics or blowouts. So yeah. kind of like Super Bowls, right? Yeah. And yeah. Games that's, that's, that are hyped. That's exactly up. right. I will say I'm excited. I know a lot of people are this year I've been more excited to watch football than I ever have before. I don't know if it's the uncertainty or the release of pressure. You know what I mean? Like Alabama doesn't have to win because you know there's this time where it wasn't just Alabama had to win. It's how they had to win. You remember they're up 41 to three, bring in the backups, bring in the backups, bring in the backups. They give up two touchdowns. They're like, what the hell are we doing? You know, that's, that's where it was. Now I'm excited because I tell you a couple weeks into the season, Bama's got a loss to Texas, Florida state's got a loss. I mean, the LSU's got the loss to Florida state. I wasn't really, and then you had the second LSU loss. I wasn't really expecting game day back. Right. I was expecting kind of going through the motions. Alabama had a tough schedule ahead of So to get this much hype about this game and that much excitement, I'm extremely excited to watch it. And you hit on it. More validation of how big this rivalry is. I mean, one loss Alabama, two loss LSU, and game day still rolling. Never would know it. Yeah, Yeah. you never know it from the discussion. Yeah, let me ask you this about the Alabama (laughs) offense. are, are you encouraged with the way it, that it seems to be trending, trending given the second half performance against Tennessee? I guess specifically what we saw from Tommy Reese as far as some adjustments and some additions to the offense, run game, passing game, at least trying some things like the screens to the backs and to the tight end. Even though they didn't work, you put them on tape. And that at least gives opponents something else to think about. I'm not sure how much they'll think about it because I'm I'm thinking they're still like, well, I need to see Alabama actually hit one of these before we worry about yeah. it. But from that angle, um, you think Alabama's at, at the right place at the right time in terms of how that that offense is continuing to evolve with Jalen Milrow? I do, and I, you know, you go back to that Tennessee game, which I've rewatched twice, and that offense not only did it never get in rhythm, it had the turnovers. You know, you're talking like, you know, that's completely flipping the field, obviously. Defense played so well in that half, considering they gave it the points, but they had the big fourth down stop. Alabama had a position. The tipped pass, I still, I've watched that interception. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it hit Burton's hands. I know it was a little underthrown. It was almost impossible pass. Did it hit his shoulder pad, maybe? Hit him on his left shoulder pad and the face mask. It looked like he was trying to kind of fend off the DB with the left arm. Oh, it was and- a- yeah, and one-handed, it was, but it was a little bit to his back shoulder, so he wasn't able to get his hand up, mm-hmm. and it just went off of him. And the safety's coming over late. That's a, yeah. So, again, that's taking yeah. three points off the board, a possible seven. Um, just a crazy, fluky-type play. So, they lost a couple of possessions and points with turnovers, obviously. But then they clicked. I mean, the second to last drive before the half, they scored. They scored on the first drive in the second half. So, I feel like they're – you don't you don't want to you know boxing or whatever where you fill each other out like MMA where you're doing that jab. You can't you don't really have a lot of time to do that this week. You want to be the one coming out leg kicking, I think. You don't want to be filling 
LSU out. I think you come out and you want to be attacking. You don't right. want to be trying to catch and see what how to defend yourself. I think you come out just like, let's go. You know yeah. what I mean? Let's go. Let's push it. And if you if you hit over the top on the first play, 75 yards for a touchdown, nothing wrong with that. But I do uh, like I do agree. I think the play column's been a little bit more creative, a little bit more original. And you know, I said this early in the season, but when you've got a team you got a first-year offensive coordinator. You got a first-year starting quarterback. There's got to be a little bit of blending together and figuring each other out. And I said this before, and I'm not being funny, but Notre Dame never really had like a, a, a – I don't know if Tommy Reese has ever really coached a guy like Jalen Milrow. I'm not sure many of, of the coaches have. You know what I mean? Who can be so great on one play and then so frustrated on another play. So I think for Tommy Reese, who's a young offensive coordinator – He's working that in, finding out the strengths. And there's plays he called where Jalen just straight missed the throw. You know what I mean? He missed a couple in that game in that Tennessee where he just – I don't know if he doesn't step in his throw. I don't know if he finished his throw, but it just sells. He threw one to Burton on the sideline. <laughs> it was like like just a complete throwaway pass. So I think there is a fill-out stage, get to know each other. But I do feel like Tommy Reese is calling a better game, especially as the game goes along. You know, I don't think Brian Kelly coached a quarterback anything like Jaden Daniels either because I still hear no. some comments from him from time to time. Like the halftime of the Missouri game I was watching a few weeks back. And he was obviously not pleased with Jaden Daniels uh, because he thought, I think Daniels was making some poor decisions in the zone read game. But you know what? I can live with some of that with everything yeah. else that Jaden Daniels is giving me. I think... I think for Kelly, Garrett Nussmeyer, the backup, is more along the lines of what he was accustomed to at that position in South Bend. Well, we saw how those guys he's accustomed to did <laughs> in South Bend against the SEC, so maybe appreciate. And I will say I think that, uh, you know, Kelly's a little bit like me with my kids. I think I'm always a little bit mad at him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that, like, the praise has to come less than the criticism or the get better. I think that's just part of being a coach. He's a demanding guy. I mean, what I see some similarities when he's red faced screaming on the sideline. So I think there's some, some uh, UK blood in both jugular levels. bulging. Yeah. I think, yeah, I pulse. think there's some, there's some UK background in a, in our, in our relatives. Yeah. I got uh, some yeah. Scottish. I got yeah. some Scottish too. I'm definitely like, I've never doing some, Hey, see what your DNA is. I, I know did it. I I'm did like, it. Yeah. I'm like really white. Like I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'll be like Scotty. If I if I'm, I'm gonna have like Scottish and Irish and London. I mean, I'm not even pretending um, that. But yeah, I think he uh, probably isn't as used to that guy because he can't. And now look, that guy can be frustrating. You know, he's kind of the no, 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 and then he throws yeah. a 30, 38 yard pass. You know, you see that all the time. Um, so he's got that. I think if you're not trusting Jaden Daniels, then I think you have trust issues overall. So I, I think, think he's a hell of a quarterback. Yeah, Alabama's maturity on defense, I like this time around better than a year ago. I think guys right. like Justin Aboigby, as you alluded to earlier, you know, what he can bring to that mix up front in a pass rush uh, situation to go along with edge guys that they know. I mean, Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell, after last year's game, they know what's coming Saturday yeah. night and, and they I know like what's going to be important. I like that Braswell's kind of feeling himself. You know what I mean? And he should. He worked really hard. He waited a long time. He really did to get where he's at now. And it's showing all this hard work is paying off. You're seeing it on the football field. So he absolutely should be beyond excited 
Um, but also, you know, you got Timmy Smith, you got interior guys. Timmy's probably playing better now than he did last year when he's playing LSU. So you got you've seen a lot of improvement. Hey, and you know that iron sharpens sharp sharpens iron. Yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence that some of these guys, Jahad Campbell, got better while competing with Trez Marshall. I think that's a absolute fact. I think Tim sees some of those young guys coming in and making plays. Timmy seeing Tim Keenan, for instance, coming in. Last year he saw Otis coming in. Justin comes back. I think he you gotta want part of that, right? If you're a competitor. You gotta yeah. want to be part of that touchdown. You want to be in the end zone doing the rowboat when you get a turnover, right? And, NFL reference, but and the depth you pretty much outlined should be favorable for Alabama this week because unlike Tennessee, LSU is not a tempo team. They're not a real yeah. hurry up team that keeps you from substituting maybe as much. Now LSU is more tempo than Brian Kelly ever was at Notre Dame. Yeah, but certainly not to the extent that. of Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 not, not the same pace at all. And again, I think that you know, you know, Nick Saban was really complimentary of that crowd. And he should have been. That crowd against Tennessee was phenomenal. And I think we're going to see more of that Saturday. You know, he, you know, that the fans got that Coach Saban praise now. So, you know, they're like, they're really going to get into it. And I thought the fans were great in that game, despite the slow start and being down and all that stuff. Got a night game. You got LSU. I mean, we've seen this scenario play out many times. So, And there'll be a lot of LSU people in Tuscaloosa. A you lot think? of them won't get in the stadium, but they don't care, man. Yeah. They'll have their their barbecue pits and their gumbo and their um, Creole food, everything. It's going to be just uh, just a crazy one. Because, again, we don't know if we're going to see this game on an annual basis, really. Yes, I can't – you know, to me, forward. I can't even think in those terms. People keep talking, but I just can't think about no Tennessee, no Auburn. If they go 7-1, no. if they go with the 7-1 format, you know, that's going to really suck. You're going to keep Auburn. Alabama's going to keep Auburn. I think they, we know yeah, that. Yeah, they should. Now, who gets to decide that, anyways? I don't. I don't know if that's uh, Auburn I, and Bama have to vote on it. I don't know if that's left to the discretion of the commissioner, or if I would think it because Auburn Georgia is a big ass big deal. You yeah. know what I mean? That's uh, a big deal. It's going too because Georgia Florida is staying in Jacksonville. I don't, think, too much I don't think it'll be one. I think it's going to be at least two games. I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right, but uh, I think it's going to – I'm sure it's going to come down to the schools um, in some form or fashion. What what do the coaches want? Have they had any opinion on it? Saban wants nine league games at least, or he has. Now, he kind of walked that back, and I don't blame him because (laughs) the format of like 6-3, let's say you play nine league games and it's 6-3, and the league says, okay, you're keeping Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU as your three permanents. You know, that, that's n- probably not going to be equitable uh, to what some other teams are. you got the, the other six to deal with. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. And you know the TV networks want Alabama to keep Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU every year. They that's, you know, That cash cow is going yeah. uh, for them for sure. And, and, and look, we love it too. The, the more bigger games, the better it is for Bama Online. And on yeah. three, we're, we're not – we're not yeah. uh, it's great for sports and i think if you're heading down to basically an ncaa tournament at some point with uh teams in the college football playoffs i don't think these games matter i mean i hate to say they do matter but you're gonna when they expand the bracket you're gonna have a three loss team in with 12 probably when they play you got to factor in the schedule i don't care what anybody says the schedule matters alabama could have played middle t- you know middle tennessee or whoever instead of texas and been undefeated um Obviously, uh, 
LSU played FSU, they could have took an easier route, had a one-loss team. So I don't know how you hold it against teams for being competitive. So it's, it's, it's sports. It's supposed to be competitive. Yeah, uh, you're not uh, supposed com- to be trying to milk your way into the into the top ten. Yeah, competitive balance. Those are the two words that you'll hear a lot when this uh, gets more into our immediate uh, horizon there. Hey, you mentioned the NCAA tournament. Let's shift gears. Let's talk some Alabama men's hoops. The Crimson Tide traveled to Wake Forest over the weekend, fell to the Demon Deacons after a really impressive opening half, Tim. Uh, two preseason losses for Alabama, one to TCU, a good TCU team in Birmingham, and then the latest to a good Wake Forest team on the road. What's your level of concern, if any, for this team after those two performances, and what's some things you're encouraged by? Yeah, based on that, I don't have I don't have any concerns, to be honest. I don't think it matters any more than preseason NBA or the NFL preseason. I mean, Sam Walters played 14, 15 minutes in that game. Obviously, could have played more. He's got more of that. First half was phenomenal. It's kind of keeping up with it. Mr. Charlie Potter posted the link. I was following it. They couldn't miss a shot. They had eight steals. It's causing a lot of turnovers doing that. Second half, couldn't buy a bucket. Um, couldn't see it. It's hard to have a strong opinion on it, but I'm not worried. I mean, TCU last year beat Alabama by 100 in the spring game, you know, the scrimmage <laughs> game. I mean, it was like, was yes. that like 99 to 69? It was at least 30, yeah. Yeah, it was just a massive loss. And Alabama finished, finished with one of the top defenses in the country. Um, after all that, and uh, number one seed in the tournament, swept the SEC. So it's hard to it's hard to imagine that game meant that much. Also, you're without Sears, you know, the 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 scrimmage, people are going to overreact to anything. They really should probably keep it private. But those scrimmages and practices aren't to run out your starters. It's not to show you what you know. Nate Oates knows what he knows. He's trying to figure out what he doesn't know. Who's going to do this? I personally think it's good to struggle in those games and have, have some adversity because you're going to do it in the season, right? You're going to Absolutely. have adversity. You're going to struggle. So you might as well do it in the in the preseason and let them figure it out and work on who can give you this and who can give you minutes. And we've seen Nate Oates play a lot of guys, right, and then shrink that a little bit as we got to the SEC. So I think he gets to the SEC regular season, the SEC tournament. That's what he's focused on even more so than his uh, – preseason schedule and certainly his scrimmages yeah without Sears and Cosby Nate played everybody and really only one guy played fewer than 10 minutes in the game everyone else the other nine guys played 10 or more uh it will be interesting when Sears is good to go which you anticipate being that uh the situation here in the very near future and how that plays into this starting lineup because for whatever it's worth an exhibition game. I get it. Your starters against Wake Forest, you had three guys that were 6'10", 6'11", ish on the floor for Alabama. You had a couple of true guards in Ryland Griffin and Aaron Estrada, who looks like he's going to be a blast yeah. to watch play. Yeah. Um, I would think, you know, it would be more of a true three guard look. Tim, would you? Although, yeah. you know, Jaron Stevenson and the versatility you've got with Grant Nelson, too. That frees you up to go pretty big and still remain skilled. Yeah, uh, but turnovers, turnovers were certainly a, a problem there. Uh, yeah, you got to protect the basketball. You got to shoot free throws better than you probably do right now. Um, but you are going to get those experienced guys back. I'm still waiting on Ryland to have his breakout moment. Ryland could, could be this year with Brandon Miller, who's doing great in the NBA. I think he dropped 22 last night for a very bad Charlotte Hornets team. 
Um, just don't look very competitive. But he hogged a lot of that wing activity that Ryland would have saw. It should have obviously player of the year. Ryland um, is going to uh, have a chance to to pop out and explode. I think most of all, you know, I, I tell you, I've seen the shocking these scrimmages. I've seen we're going to miss Quinterly Post. Which has to be the most ironic thing in the history of Alabama <laughs> fandom, because he was benched a hundred times every game of most of his career here. So now he's missed, but I think guards are fine. But I think Betty Yako's the one I'm always going to say if I've got a what if. Betty Yako really signed a two way deal with the Spurs. I think Betty Yako blending in as that rim protector would have been, you know, just about ideal. I agree. You know? I'll tell you another guy who had a sneaky good line at Wake was Latrell Wrightsell. Um, 28 and a half minutes on the floor, eight points, four rebounds, four assists, just one turnover, a couple of steals. So uh, as much as we'll talk about the first four, five, six guys on this team going into the season, Sam Walters, Wrightsell, uh, some things to like from a depth perspective too when you look ahead. For this group, Tim, you ready to jump in the uh, mailbag? Or you got anything else you want to add on the uh, hoops front? Mm, no, that's it. That's it. That'll do. No, it. Didn't see the scrimmage, so I don't have a strong. I know team. that's what makes it a little difficult, right? That doesn't make it difficult for everybody. <laughs> I got some people, Stevie Wonders, breaking that game down. Amazing. Some of, some of these cats got progressive lenses, you know, that I they mean, can see. They can literally see. Stuff. We did have a couple posters. Larson McCord, yeah. I think, he was that there. The game had yeah. a great breakdown. Much appreciated because we Absolutely. could not see it, but he did. And the dedication to go, you know, respect. Oh so. yeah. Uh, Absolutely. All right, let's let's go to the mailbag. Let's see. All right, they're... let's check in with uh, Craig three sixteen here in the mailbag. He says he's got a two parter. The defense looks dr- drastically improved over the last few years. What has Steele done to improve it, and has it changed so much that the film of our scheme against them last year will be of little benefit to LSU's coaches in preparation for this year's? game i think we talked about it earlier personnel still really good i mean i think maturation uh and this sounds funny because you think about all the players alabama lost in the back end of its defense from a year ago but terry and arnold taking another step malachi when he's been healthy has been better kool-aid obviously so that's three of the the five primary positions uh and then you add a, a mature beyond his years guy in Caleb Downs at one of those safety spots. And I think it, it extends too to the front seven, Tim. And and the transfer portal additions have been very solid, I would say. But guys like Tim Keenan, now he's not a true freshman. He's been around a few years. It was time for Tim Keenan to take another step, right? It was certainly time for Tim Smith to take another step. Dallas, I think, has done that. Chris Braswell has certainly done that. That's sort of what it goes back to for me. Yeah, I think when you look, I don't think last year's film is going to be much use to LSU, but they got plenty of film this year. But, I mean, when you look at the the impact, not just the players, but the impact, as you said, Caleb Downs wasn't on last year's team. Deontay Lawson didn't play in the game. Um, uh, Jalen Key wasn't even on the team. Terry and Arnold's much improved. Trez Marshall wasn't on the Jihad Campbell. Trez Marshall lost. And there's a lot of guys they didn't get to experience. Braswell's better too. So last year's film doesn't do a whole lot for him. They got plenty of film this year. Um, they know what's coming. I think Brian Kelly's a smart guy. He knows what's coming. It's coming off the edge. 
and it's coming fast. They got to protect that. They have decent, they have pretty good tackles. I understand good tackles. Yeah. Um, so that that wins there. But then that that's going to free up some uh, um, linebackers that have to make plays. Again, I've said it all year. I feel like Trez Marshall doesn't get home a lot, but he's pressuring that quarterback a lot more. He's rushing some throws. You got Jahad Campbell, who had a great. I mean, it's his game against Tennessee. If it's much more appreciated, if you go back and just focus on Jahad, I think. Um, which I did, especially in the second half, he was good. So I don't think the film helps from last year, but they got plenty of film this year. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much true blitzing Alabama will do in the game Saturday night. In other words, I'm not sure how often they'll bring five, six, or even more uh, to Jaden Daniels. Uh, But I think they will bring some simulated pressures where they rush just four, but it's a different look a lot of times. One time, here comes the corner from the boundary. One time, here comes the star, but then they drop. So if you don't like these outside linebackers dropping into zone, uh, you may not like some of what you see on Saturday night. And certainly that leaves you exposed at times to matchups that aren't very good. It happened to Alabama in this game last year. It happened against Tennessee uh, with Squirrel White. Although, I will say this, Chris Braswell was in pretty damn good coverage for a 255-pound guy running with a, a slot receiver. I thought but- it was amazing. I think that will be one of the, I'll tell you this. That play will be a play NFL scouts are going to lose their mind over, in my opinion. I think that's as much of a selling point as any other play he's going to have this year. Squirrel White's fast. Yeah. They don't call you squirrel because you're slow. You know what I mean? You're either you're either you're either crazy and throw rocks at everybody, or you're fast as crap when your name's squirrel. So yeah, I know he's, he's not, fast. He's not turtle. No, yeah. absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And it was a heck of a throw and a great catch. So yeah. it wasn't like Braswell was toast. So uh yeah, but I believe I agree. You got Malachi, Caleb guys that could come on blitz. Also, this is a game Kevin Steele has been like scheming for a little bit the whole time. I think that he's a guy that knows. You don't really not scheme for anybody, but you put in special plays in certain situations. Like you're not doing the same thing against Middle Tennessee State that you're doing against LSU. You know, you're not doing the same thing against Grambling that you're doing against Texas. So I think there's stuff they'll be working in we haven't seen this year. But I do say the basics of what they're doing have been working really well. So you don't want to go too far from it. Beach Tide checking in here in the roundtable mailbag. How do you guys think Bama's offense should handle Harold Perkins in the running game? Attack him, run right at him, run away from him, run some option at him as read key? Uh, What do you think, Tim? How are you going about Harold Perkins maybe with an emphasis on when Alabama runs the ball? I I think you want to get a guard or an interior guy on him. Uh, at that second level. And he's going to attack. And the thing about Perkins is, like, he's at his best going forward. You know, he's an attack guy. He's a he's a sick and fine ball, get ball kind of guy. So, but you got – he's not a huge guy. He's fast. You can get a helmet on him. Um, and uh, Jace isn't easy to tackle. I mean, Jace isn't with a head of steam coming through a hole. He's not a guy that's going to fall down. You're going to have to put some – you're going to have to lay some lumber yourself to get him. So, I don't think they attack him any different than they do, say uh, – the Aggies had a great, you know, linebacking core, in my opinion. They had, had one of the best linebackers in the country. So, I think you attack them the same way you would them. I mean, it's the SEC. Most of them have pretty good backers um, with the teams we play. Texas had some good guys as well. Texas did. Yeah, I think first and foremost, you got to identify where he is because he will move around in that defensive front seven. So, 
Uh, I think if he's at the edge and you can run some of the pulling stuff that we've seen with, say, Jaden Roberts and uh, some other guys, the tight ends, uh, tackles that Alabama has done that with more so in the last couple of games, uh, see if he'll set an edge against that type of stuff. Occupy him with that kind of stuff. Make him earn the right to rush the passer. You know, don't I don't think make it easy think... on him. Make him play. Make him play both aspects. And yeah, running the football is a part of that. I don't know if it's a big jet sweep week. If if you're thinking about to his side, um, but it could be a way that you could at least give him something to think about and keep him a little more honest than, as you said, Tim, being able to just get straight downhill and and run. Yeah, Harold's that guy. You can't really run from him. You know what I mean? He's that bully in school who's faster than you. You got to fight him at some point. He likes um, that more, actually. Probably. Yeah, he's going to chase you. Yeah, he's fast. He's aggressive. He's you know he's a big hitter and all that stuff. So there's no need trying to run for him. You can run at him and see what you've got. Jason's a big fella. You know what I mean? He can move. He can move the crowd a little bit himself. Bama Lou here. Offense remains puzzling to me, Bama Lou says. I thought the tight ends would play a more dominant role. Is this a temporary delay? Lack of personnel or a design change? Um, you know, I think there's probably a number of factors that go into it. What areas of the field has the passing game been most consistent, Tim? Deeper, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Deeper and wow. on deeper yeah. and on the outside, right? So yeah. you think about tight ends in the passing game, especially, uh, that hasn't probably been as good a fit this year. But you say that and you look at the quality of catches that Amari Nyblack has had, that CJ Dupree has had, they've been there. And sometimes it's gonna be a lot of times with tight ends. There's not many tight ends out there that are catching 80, 90 balls, you know, in a season. More often than not, Tim, it seems like it's quality over quantity with those guys. Yeah, with Amari, he's third on the team in receptions with 12. I will think, looking at this real quick, Amari's averaging over 18. CJ's averaging almost 20. And even Robbie Oots is averaging 13 in reception. So mm -hmm. definitely see they are involved. And there's been opportunities to get them more involved. They've just missed. But they have 20 receptions on the year, probably closing in on 400 yards or something in that ballpark. Uh, but I do agree. You want to get them more involved. CJ has a lot of lot of traits that you look for. Amari Black's just a freaky type athlete, so I definitely see that. I think they've tried to get it to him. I just think at times it's been a struggle, as you said, for Jalen to really connect with them. Um, hey, and like you said, middle of the field and short, there's where you make mistakes. You know, you got to be super careful. Can't get baited by a safety. Can't catch a linebacker dropping back. There's a lot more confusion. And I think, again, with Jalen, I think he's going to err on the side of caution after the Texas game, maybe not take as many risks. you got to have those guys help you in the pass protection aspect, too, from time to time. Although, yes. I'll say this, against Tennessee, there was more help provided to Caden Proctor, but it wasn't like they chained a tight end to his kind of left foot and helped him that way. They chipped with the tight end, but the tight end was still trying to release and get out into the route. So, uh, they haven't reached a point yet where they're just essentially turning tight ends into extra offensive tackles. They're still trying to get those guys out and, into the route. And, and, you've seen, and you've seen a few plays that were set up. There's a screen last week that was set mm -hmm. up nicely that was tipped. Um, and by the way, let's go back to Proctor. I mean, I have as much admiration for this guy as any. Like you said, there hadn't been special treatment to protect him over there, really. My dude is like, hey, you're five-star. <laughs> you're learning on the job. Here, you know, here's your here's your work belt. You know, go build a go build a house. So 
he seems to be improving every week. Another big challenge this week. But back to the tight ends, I agree. There's plays there, I think, that you could connect on. I'm not sure Jalen's always comfortable with them. And tight ends a lot of times are check down options. And that's not something Jalen, at this point anyway, uh, has maximized his potential within, whether it's tight ends or backs for that matter. But again, how you go about dealing with Harold Perkins, as we talked about earlier, will tie in in all likelihood to the tight ends this week uh, and and what they're able to do uh, in passing situations. Whoa, bro, here in the round table. Special teams and field position will be big factors in this game. Do you guys still think Kool-Aid is returning punts or someone else that lost yardage hasn't made Alabama pay yet? You talked a little bit about this earlier, Tim, but you going to make a call on that one? I got a, I got, I got a sense he's staying back there, at least I, for another I week. Think, I think he was back there for a reason. Um, I think he was back there for a reason, and I think he'll stay back there for that same reason. I think Nick Saban trusts him. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I get he's had a few bad games, and I can't explain it. I mean, people think Kool-Aid's not a scary kind of guy. He was the guy, when he was in high school, he was dunking in traffic. He lived above the rim. When he played football, he was offensive, defensive guy. He'll stick his head in there. Now, I will say, I think we said this before, it's kind of like I think punt returns are kind of like you could be like a second baseman or a kicker. He might have the yips a little bit, you know, not trust himself. If he doesn't trust himself, he shouldn't be back there. I think that's pretty obvious. But if he does, he's had two weeks to kind of really see it because I think I think it was a problem, a little bit of a problem leading up to the Tennessee game. But after the Tennessee game, I think everybody because you saw Nick Saban be demonstrative on the first for the first time on the sideline. I think now everybody's like, what the hell? You know yeah. what I mean? So that I think they sat down with Kool-Aid, talked it out, you know, and I think Kool-Aid's the kind of guy that's gonna want to rise to that challenge. Yeah, and I'm sure, as you said, it's been a point of emphasis during the off week. The problem is, I've said this before. You know, with the way these Aussies and these punters now punt the football, there's no jugs machine for rugby punts. Like, if a guy's struggling with judgment or catches or those things five, ten years ago, you go over to the jugs machine, that thing will shoot 60 spiraling punts or as long as you want to catch them. And and Nick talked about this, too, after the Tennessee game. Uh, It's hard to simulate the way these guys punt the ball now. Now, Burnup has some of that background, but Burnup has actually evolved into more of a traditional style punter with the ball, more of a spiraling punt than rugby. So, or Australian rules, whatever it is. I agree, but I think that last punt's the one that sold it to me. He was definitely in position to catch that ball and chose not to. I think that's what sold it. But you're right. I went back and looked at some of this stuff and (laughs) some of the punters, devious little people that y'all are, were talking about how they kicked it to spin it and all. I think you start far back and come up. That's what I would guess. I don't know. It's probably oversimplifying it. But that is one way to catch a ball off a of bounce, catch it in the air and come up on it. Because you're right. If you're in the air trying to catch a ball curving, yeah. you know, you don't want to be reaching up to catch. No. The, you know, you don't want to reach up and catch the punt. Um, so you want to be comfortably under it. Poof, poof. Yeah, but it, Wobro's right about field position. I mean, if you have to punt the ball this week or you have to cover a kickoff, you need to do it well, uh, because especially for Alabama in dealing with that LSU offense, you want to keep those cats on as long a field as you possibly can. Uh, Tim, before we get out of here, I know you're excited because your NBA has cranked up. Uh, I haven't watched an out of this World Series. It, it 
to me, it has all the allure of a spring training matchup in Arizona, you know, the Rangers and the uh, Diamondbacks. Uh, but uh, what about James Harden now? We've learned. Yeah. Headed back to L.A., out, out to the West Coast. Boy, the NBA's just got, like, crazy with itself. I saw LaMelo Ball signed a five-year, $260 million contract. I just don't get, like, that's probably going to be – I got checked, but that's probably more than LeBron makes. It's absurd Man. to me. Like, how – and Zion got that big deal a while back, and I'm like, I don't understand how was he making more than, say, Anthony Davis, who's a seven- or eight-time All-Star. I mean, they're paying – they're paying you in advance for what they think you're going to be. But Harding is a classic example. Got paid. I, I loved Harding's game early on. But, dude, this guy, is going, we're not going to remember him. <laughs> if something doesn't change, we won't remember him five years after he retired. I mean, yeah. I know people are now going to say I'm crazy for saying that. But we won't. We never do. We're not, well, we're going, to, we're not going to remember that. It's not going to have any You're remembered for it's, what? In, in any sport, really, postseason play. Yeah, right? that's what I was going to say. He's going to have no championships. He's played on some good teams. He's dismantled numerous teams, you know, with this. You know, I think, you know, he's a guy that um, he doesn't look, He you know, I don't want to – NBA players shouldn't have my body build. And <laughs> James and I seem to be on the same diet, although I don't really do the strip clubs like he probably does. He, yeah. seems, to be, he seems to be a nightclub guy. So, um Yeah. Woj, how about Woj dropping into like 2 a.m. Woj bombs on with his Twitter. Yeah, well, they weren't really asleep out in the West Coast, but I like to trade for the uh, for Joel Embiid and the Sixers because they were getting nothing out of James Harden. Yeah. What I want to know, what happened between that Moray and James Harden? Because they, bro- they had a bromance, yeah. and, dude, it broke up bad. Yeah, so. it did. But the it World was, Series, I like the World Series. Yeah, if if that owner was Taylor Swift, he'd write a song about that one. Yeah. You know? Oh man. But uh, yeah, Swift. it it it's um it's that time of year, man. We got that confluence. Alabama basketball about to crank up here in a week or in a less than a week or so. And yeah, boy, a great time to be at BamaOnline.com. Fresh from Maine, who by the way, uh, Tim Watts yes. with some excellent recommendations for that trip last week. We're both uh, Maine people. You know, we we don't say lobster, but we we like Maine a lot. I'm telling you, if you go to Maine, and I think Vermont's the same from what you sent me and I've read, but Maine especially, if you go there during the right time of year, I think you'll I think you'll love it. I don't think there's I don't think there's an option even for the most hateful people to say they hate Maine because it's got a little bit of everything. It's got mm-hmm. it's got the country, it's got the woods, it's got the it's got the beach, it's got the high class, the low class, it's got. Everything mixed together. But I will tell you, I'm a huge Stephen King fan, and those winters sound friggin' brutal, Not especially good. those islands off the coast. It sounds like brutal. And I've seen a few movies. I mean, it's not from – but go the right time. Travis went at a great time last week. I always go late July, early August before spring practice gets going. Absolutely. We uh, we need a travel show. We need yeah, we a travel do. show. We're gonna do a, we're going to do a travel show. I'd like y'all to let us know if you'd listen to our EOL travel show. Yeah, T. Watson, TR Travel Edition. Now, when we were in our 20s, it would have been us describing repeated trips to Panama City. (laughs) But We'd have our airbrush. We'd have our airbrush shirts. Yes, matching, matching. Now, and we throw in New Orleans. We throw in New Orleans every now and then. Maybe, maybe Chattanooga Pigeon Forge. That's when you knew we evolved when we graduated from PCB to New Orleans. That was a big step. For us. Well, my first maturity step literally probably was travel. This is not even a lie. Was Panama City Beach to Destin? Yeah. 
where my wife would make me go. And I'm that guy that's like, that's when you're getting old. Yeah. yeah. Some of the best beaches in the world are in Destin. I'm like, yeah. they can't be there. I know. Just don't let her put that 30A sticker on the back of your car. No, that's never happened. That. All right. It's Destin and 38. They're two different, right? Yeah, they are, I, I think, but it's all the same to me. I, it's beautiful, but yeah, yeah. it's Destin. I, go, I just go to Destin. Absolutely. Destin, yeah, I go to Destin. Well, that ought to do it for the latest edition of T Watts and TR here on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Tim? Always fun, my man. Looking forward to discussing how the game went next week. No and Halloween, Halloween candy turned out. Are you oh, dressed yes. up? Do y'all dress up? You know, we're doing a get-together. Um, we're going to do the traditional chili, you know, cornbread, uh, yeah. those type of things. I don't think we're dressing up, but we may have some guests that do. And if they do, I'm down. Good. My kids you know, have yourself out. My kids have gotten older, and they ended up saying they weren't dressing up. Then they did, and the boy. Did you ever see the show Arrested Development? Yeah. Well, all three walked in as the banana stand workers yesterday to surprise white button down, blue apron. They all worked at the banana stand. I'm like, you know, this ain't far from probably where y'all are going to project at the yeah. current rate. Downtown Portland, Maine, Saturday night. The wife and I saw 20 people in banana, 20 people in banana suits. Why? I don't know. Halloween, but, uh, yeah, the, the, the youngest daughter, the youngest of ours, she's 21. She did dress up over the weekend for a party. I mean, the, the younger crowd, they still get after it from the she, costume. My oldest one. My oldest she went son, as a cat in a hat. That's what she did. Oh, nice. My yeah. oldest son went as Joker when, went all, he went as close to him as Heath Ledger did. <laughs> he had that thick caked on white makeup. My oldest one likes it more now than but he But you did. can't half step the Joker. I mean, no, if you're going to do it, you better do it. That's iconic. Well, I went to borrow his car the other day and I went in his garage, single car garage. And when I walked in, I got like a contact high smelling paint. I was like, what the hell's going on? I was going to meet Andrew Bone actually for lunch. So I was in a rush, jumped in the car, headed out, didn't think much about it, came back, pulled in, and realized he is spray painting his dress shoes for the Joker shoes. I said, dude, you got to put those outside. You got to roll that door up or something. It yeah. Was, you, know, did, you know who didn't do that in the garage after yeah. one time? John Bender. Yeah. This is what you get when you spill paint in the garage. At the Bender household. How yeah, about that reference? Classic, classic How about some friend. Breakfast Club? We also, we also need to go a movie TV. This, by the way, this is all oh, T. Yeah. Watts and TR Extra, this part yeah. of the show. Y'all this didn't is pay for this. This is behind <laughs> the scenes that we thought, this is where we thought we hit stop record, and then we kept talking Wait a minute. to each other. Yeah, exactly. Well, all right. We will see y'all next week. Everybody have a safe Halloween. Yes. Have a safe Halloween. Have a safe rest of your week. And certainly no shortage of topics next week on T-Watts and TR. We look forward to it for Tim Watts, Travis Schreier. Thanks again for joining us. Hang out with us at BamaOnline.com, the roundtable, the premium message board. That's where you want to be with us at BOL. Until next time, so long, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>